Welcome to the Storytellers Lab podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories of encounters with God. I'm your host, Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy. And today we have a story that I did not know had been long awaited, but it has. (laughs) We have Emily, who's actually from Birmingham. And I think from the beginning of the dawn of time of Storytellers, Emily has been on our storytellers list to share her story. And for some reason, never happened, never happened. And God's timing is always perfect. for such a time as this, right, Robin? (laughs) Yeah, we heard her story and we all agreed saying we could listen to it again and again and And again. again. It had so much wisdom in it. And it reminded me in particular that sometimes God's plan is not the easiest, but it's always greater. Mm -hmm. And so I really hope as you listen to her story that you're encouraged today, that you're given hope um, in resting and knowing that God's plan is greater for your life. So here's Emily's story. Storytellers Live community, we need you. As you may know, we have launched our Cambodia campaign where we have partnered with Never Thirst Water to build a freshwater well to serve 25 families in Cambodia. We launched this last week and we are already a quarter of the way there. So for those of you that have donated, we are so, so thankful. We are asking for $50 and you also get a super cute Storytellers and Never Thirst Water t-shirt for your donation. Yes, so head over right now to neverthirstwater.org backslash storytellers or even visit our website at storytellerslive.org. Partner with us to give clean water to Cambodia. Hello, my name is Emily Lassiter and um, I'm so excited to be here today when um, Robin texted me and asked me if I would be a part of Storytellers. I told her that I felt like I had had someone famous text me (laughs) because I am a huge fan of Storytellers and I've listened to almost every single one. And um, it's just been a huge part of the last few years of my life where I long to hear other stories about how God is working in them. And so it has been an incredible um, resource for me and just encouragement to keep moving forward in all that the Lord has before me, whatever that may be. So like I said, my name's Emily Lassiter, and I've been asked to share my story a number of times. And the first time I was asked to share, I really had trouble getting together what I wanted to say. Every time I started to prepare, I felt like I ran into a roadblock. And I couldn't really figure out what it was and why it was so hard for me to share my story. But as I talked to friends and everybody's like, Emily, why is it so hard? It's your story. You know it. You don't even have to prep for it. Just tell people what the Lord's doing in your life. And what I realized early one morning um, while I was doing my devotional was that it really wasn't my story. It's really me sharing God's story and my role in it. Um, The first time I was asked to share my story, a few years ago, I spent days preparing for the talk and never felt like I could get it quite right. I was really getting caught up on the details of the story and I couldn't figure out why I was having such a hard time just sharing what had happened in my life over the past few years. And, um, you know, I shared this with my friends and my parents even, and asked for advice, and they kept saying, I just don't understand what the problem is. It's just your story. It just tell people what's happened. And what I realized early one morning during my devotional was that 
it's not my story to share. And instead, it really changed the way I thought about it when I thought what I'm doing is I'm sharing how the Lord is using me in his story. And even though this might not seem like a huge distinction to you, if you're just hearing this, for me, it made all the difference because calling it my story was weird because number one, it was absolutely not what I wanted my story to be. And two, over the course of the past few years, I had realized I had absolutely no control over where this story was going. And so in acknowledging that it was God's story, it changed the way I shared completely. And so um, today, as I share with you what's been going on recently in my life, I hope that you will hear it with that in mind. So I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama. I have um, a brother, a younger brother and an older sister. And I grew up in a Christian home with parents who wove the Lord into any and every aspect of our lives. Sometimes that was great. Sometimes it wasn't so great. And one thing when Robin asked me to prepare for this one, she suggested that I write an outline of just my life and note if something stood out that maybe I should share that I don't normally share. But the thing that stood out this time as I was making an outline of my early years was that the Lord always allowed me to really grasp his sovereignty. And I've known that the way my, my mind thought through that aspect of my relationship with God came to me way more easily than it did to others. And I can remember the first time that it happened, the first time I really had to acknowledge his sovereignty and rest in knowing that his plan was what was best for me was when I did not make cheer in seventh grade. And anybody who knows me knows that there's no way in this world I would have ever made cheer. (laughs) And so I don't know why my parents allowed me to try out, but they did. And my mother, who never left town on her own, was out of town that week. She was the president of the Junior League and was at their annual conference. And so here I was with my dad trying out for cheer and did not make it and was devastated. Again, I don't know why I had any expectation I was going to make it, but evidently I did. So I was devastated. And I remember my dad sitting down with me and very quietly saying, I know that the Lord has something bigger and better for you. And my prayer for you is that he will allow you to see that. And I I can still remember sitting in the parking lot hearing him say those words. So let's just move forward then on to graduated from high school, went to Auburn, had a wonderful time there. My husband and I had been friends from the time we were 15, but we also went to Auburn together and started dating when um, I was 21. And then we, I went on to law school after that. He took a few years off and worked and then followed me to Alabama in law school. And so when I graduated from Alabama, he was still in law school. So naturally moved to Birmingham and he commuted back and forth. And so that's how we ended up in Birmingham. But while we were there, we just fell in love and knew that was where we wanted to settle. 
and um, we got married actually my third year of law school and his first year. So we had one year where we were students, which was really fun. Um, so go on through life. I'm practicing law maybe seven years after we were married, had our first child, Mary Jane. And then two years later, had our second little girl, Camille. And at that time, I continued to work some. I was very blessed to have found a great part-time job as an attorney. And, you know, we just had the life that you would think everybody hoped for and wanted. And then in 2014, in February of 2014, Joe, who loved adventure and spontaneity was flying and he was a practicing attorney but he loved to fly for um, a hobby and would fly to meetings with clients and he crashed that morning of February the 19th and it was it was in Texas and they just got into some bad weather and missed his approach landing and Obviously, that um, changed the trajectory of mine and my girls' lives. And it's interesting looking back, though, what I'd really love to share today is how the Lord met me on that day and then how it changed the way we dealt with that loss and now how the Lord is continuing to bless us and meet us even six years later. So on the morning of February the 19th, it I woke up just like it was any normal day. Joe was out of town. And so we got up, got ready for school. And I can still remember thinking, oh, it's a busy day. I got to get going. You know, it's just one of those things. So get everybody to school. And then I go directly to uh, Lifetime Fitness <laughs> where <laughs> I was going to do a hot yoga class. And... Uh, so, you know, those hot yoga classes, you go for the whole hour and it's extremely hot and you're sweaty. And at the end of the class, they um, ask you to lie down on your mat and put a wet rag over your face. And, you know, you feel kind of like a wet noodle, but they ask you to thank the universe for everything that is giving you that day. And I remember laughingly kind of laying down thinking, okay, let's do this. And of course, I, I don't know why I always find myself in those situations where I'm like, Lord, you know, I, I know I'm not thanking the universe like he's. Anyway, so here I am laying on this mat and um, on the mat, I just really had this amazing sensation come over me. And, and of course, I've got this rag over my face and I just hear the Lord as clear as if he was lying there beside me, say, the plans I have for you are greater than anything you can ever imagine. I am enough. I will be your bridegroom and I will be your children's father. And then, as I, I, it's hard to explain, but it was almost as if he put his hand on my face and I just felt the most calming sensation and realized that just tears were streaming down my face. And I'm not extremely emotional. So this was a very weird kind of experience, especially lying there in the middle of hot yoga. But I remember thinking, oh, Lord, like, 
you, you know, you're right. You, you are always enough in my life. And my husband was traveling a lot and he had changed jobs and you know, I felt like, Oh, maybe I've been worrying about him too much. And you know, you, you under you have him, like, I don't need to be the one worrying. And so I kind of like wiped my face off with the rag and stood up and thought, you know, well, I've got to go. I've got too much else going on today. And so hopped up and headed home. And when I got home, I immediately hopped in the shower to get ready for the next event. And as I was getting out of the shower, my doorbell kept ringing over and over and over again. So I, you know, threw on my robe and went to the door and I saw one of my best friends standing there. And I thought, well, that's weird because she doesn't really live nearby, but there she was. And when I opened the door, it was her and her husband. And I, you know, I, I was very confused as to why they were there. And it was at that time, they're like, come on, we need to go sit down. And they shared with me about the plane crash. And they had heard from somebody that Joe was picking up. They had called and said, please call their friend so that we, you know, the police don't have to let her know. So they showed up at the door. They tell me this. I sit down and I, it's so interesting what happened in that moment because I put my head in my hands and, you know, you would think, or at least maybe I would have thought that in that time when you find out that you love, you, you know, your spouse, person that you thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with has died, that like every, all the moments with that person would flash before your eyes. But instead, what went through my mind was all my time of learning about the Lord, like just those key moments, whether it was like a moment at camp where I had accepted Christ when I was in second grade or that time when I didn't make cheer and my dad shared with me about God's sovereignty and or the time that my mom you know, shared with me what the Lord was doing in her life or you know, all the different times that the Lord had just met me. And that was what like was just flying through my mind. And I remember looking up at my friends and just saying, you know, he is enough. He is enough. And I knew they were very confused by that statement. But I said, what, can you please tell me what time he died? Like what time was the crash? And they're like, what? I was like, no, I need to know like the time that he he died, and and so they said, you know, it was at this time, and it was the exact time at the end of hot yoga, and in my mind, I thought, okay, the Lord has just taken the time to tell me that it's going to be okay. If he would take the time to do that for me, like I am going to be okay. He truly is enough, and I love this quote. This is one of my favorite quotes that I read maybe a couple of years ago. And when I read it, I was like, that's what happened. That's what happened. So this is from Desert Fathers. And it says, the pupil comes to the rabbi and ask, why does the Torah tell us to place these words upon your hearts? Why does it not say to place these holy words in our hearts? The rabbi answers, it is because as we are, our hearts are closed and we cannot place the holy words in our hearts. So we place them on top of our hearts and there they stay until one day the heart breaks and the words fall in. And I read that maybe two or three years after Joe died and I was like, that's it. That's what happened. And, you know, my heart broke. And at that moment, 
you know, all those pictures of the way the Lord had worked in my life all the way up into that point fell in and changed me like to my very, very core. And so how I handled the death of my husband was very much shaped by that very moment. And so after that, you know, there's, when you lose your spouse, everything, um, all of your identity is taken away, some more than others, but for sure your identity as someone's spouse and as a wife. And not only is your identity significantly changed, but also your picture of what your future looks like is totally taken away. And so for the first two to three years after Joe died, I spent that, that time just really digging in to who I wanted to be and who the Lord wanted me to be. And in that moment in hot yoga, he had promised me that his plan for me was greater than anything I could ever imagine. And that he was enough. And oftentimes when I tell this story in the past, I've really focused on the he is enough part. But today I really want to focus on the fact that he promised me that his plans were greater for me than anything I could imagine. And sometimes I hesitate to go into that because it sounds like maybe he has something better for me than he has for everyone else, which what I have learned is not the case at all. Because oftentimes what the Lord thinks is great is not necessarily what's great in an earthly sense. <laughs> and so it also scared me that he promised me that because I knew enough about the Lord to know that oftentimes when he wants us to do something great for him, it's not the easiest thing. Um, and so I really want to focus on that because I feel like a lot of times women, um, when we lose our spouse or we go through a divorce or we go through a situation where we have to redefine ourselves, it's hard to think bigger than the safest next choice. And I know that for at least two or three years after Joe died, you know, I was always encouraged just to like find something that was the safest thing that I could do. And I really, really felt like the Lord was calling me to do something more than just go back to practicing law and continuing life as I knew it. And so I really began digging in to God's word about, well, I, I really started just reading his word and just like writing down what popped out because I thought if I can just write down the verses that pop out to me, maybe that'll be a clue as to what he wants me to do. I really felt like I was on a mission to solve a mystery as to what in the world he could possibly use this for. And so I started doing that. And then an interesting thing happened. My dad is um, a financial advisor, and that was a wonderful, wonderful thing to have because, you know, when you have a spouse die, there's tons of business things to take care of, and oftentimes the wife is having to learn how to be the head of the household from a financial standpoint. And so I'll never forget my dad sitting down with me and saying, hey, we've gone through everything, and this is kind of where we are. We kind of had just that big picture conversation. And he and I'll never he was very hesitant at first, but he said, "But I've looked at this and 
this is how much you need to make going forward to make things work long term. And I remember looking at him and being like, well, that's awesome. That's a clue. And and he was like, what? And I was like, well, I've just been trying to figure out what the Lord has for me. And I mean, if that's how much I need to make to live like a really normal, easy lifestyle, this was not anything extravagant, then I'm going to use that as a clue to figure out what I'm doing next. So clearly he wants me in the professional world. I was like, because I've really been trying to go to Africa and like work with orphans. I don't know why that just was always what I said. And people would kind of smile at me and be like, okay. I just said, okay, I don't think it's ministry. And dad was like, no, I don't think it is either. But, you know, it was interesting because I realized that that was like a really um, different angle to come at looking at your money. And because as I would share that with other people, they looked at me just like, what? That that makes sense. Uh, like, you you don't have to work. Like, you've been through something really hard. You should be at home with your girls. And I was like, nope, that's not it. And now I will say my dad did say, like, you don't have to do it this year, but this is where we're going long term. And so I used that and the scriptures that I was following, reading and writing down to help lead me in my next steps professionally. And it has been a long and winding road because I just said, Lord, as you lead me, I just want to say yes to what you put in front of me. And if I say yes to what you put in front of me, I pray that either you'll shut that door if it's not where you want me to go, or you'll let me know when it's time to change if it's not the right fit. And he definitely did that for me all along the way. And I know maybe if you were to look at my resume, you might think that I had issues with making decisions and commitment, (laughs) but I really don't think that's what it was. I was listening to the Lord. And if I look back and again, if I put my resume in front of you, I could say, oh, in this job, he taught me this. And in this job, he developed that skill. And in this job, he introduced me to this person. And so the Lord walked me through each of those steps. Now, about two years ago, I was in a job. I was working uh, with an insurance company, and it was a wonderful job. It was with, like, the greatest group of people. They had a great salary. The hours were perfect for me. But, yeah, I was sitting there, and I was like, I am bored out of my mind. And I know that I can probably do more. And, you know, that was another thing for me was, like, how much can I really handle working and being a single mom? And so I really went into it slowly. I did not like just jump into a 40 hour a week job, but, but I was always considering that and taking jobs. And this one just like checked all the earthly boxes of what I was looking for. But I knew probably six weeks in that it was not going to be where I was. So I started putting feelers out and usually things would pop up, but in this case it didn't happen. And so I was like, okay, Lord, like, what are you doing here? And I got the overwhelming sense that he was just saying, you know what? You just need to wait, wait on my timing. And um, around that same time, my daughter was playing basketball. She's in seventh grade and she had not played much the year before, but had made the team. And she had in the past been kind of the star of the team And this year, she was not. And she was sitting on the bench all the time. 
And so one day after the game, we were talking about it, and I said, Mary Jane, the thing I love about watching you sit on the bench is that I know you're learning twice as much as you ever would being star of the game. And I said those words to her, and it hit me like a ton of bricks that the Lord had benched me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Mary Jane, I have been benched, too. Uh, oh, wow. What it, like, what does that mean? And so I, I was like, all right, Lord, I'm here. I'm sitting on the sideline. I've told you I would do anything you asked me to do. But you have me sitting here in a job that's not terribly stimulating. And I know that I can't do this forever. So what do you want me to do? And he had me sit there for nine months. And so during that time, I thought, well, I'm going to use this downtime to think of something really great that I'm going to do, <laughs> which is kind of, you know, often what we do. And so I was talking to widows all the time. And a lot of times I was also talking to women who had just gone through a divorce and I was getting a lot of legal questions and just questions about the business side of being a widow. And I'm sure it was just because I am an attorney and, you know, knew a lot of the steps to take because my dad had been so great at walking me through everything. And so I started to realize that a lot of women did not have somebody in their lives that was really helping them make those hard decisions. But more importantly, they were not helping them think outside the box about what they could be doing next, too. You know, it was more like, this is your budget. You need to live on this and just keep everything just the same and you'll be fine. And really so much of like the grief process and the new identity as a single woman, I I mean, many of the women that I talked to, we all are like yearning to do something else, to change, to transform. And so I had this genius idea that I was going to go to all the different advisors that I knew and start talking to them about creating a program where widows could come talk to, you know, a group of advisors or maybe just like basically have like an advisor mentor that would help them figure out what they needed because, yeah, advisors are all very different. Some of them just do investments. Some of them do a lot of planning. Some of them are really hands-off. Some of them are really involved. And everybody needs something different. So I started going to different advisors in town and meeting with them and sharing with them what I wanted to do. And at the first one, I got a job offer. And I thought, well, that's so bizarre. No, I was like, no, I think you misunderstood me. Like, that's not what I want to do. I just think that this is something that needs to be done in Birmingham for all the young widows. And they're like, no, like, we, we heard you, but we want to hire you to be an advisor. And I was like, that's crazy. That, no, but thank you. And, and then I left. Well, so then the next time, I like the next week, I scheduled a different advisor that I was going to meet with and tell about my idea and it happened again. And then it happened a third time. And on the third time, I said, hey, listen, I, I'm not meaning to be disrespectful at all, but why in the world would you want to hire me? That doesn't even, I don't have a financial background. And the guy who I loved his honesty, he said, well, number one, you're a female. 
and there are no, there's very few females in this industry. Uh, number two, you're a lawyer, so I know we can teach you whatever you need to know. <laughs> and third, he said, we all def desperately want to know how to serve widows well, and nobody knows how to do that. And um, he said, so I'd like to say that it's because, you know, completely like, I just want to help you. He's like, but it's not that. It's a real business decision. And he said, I'm imagining the more advisors you talk to, the more you will get job offers. And so I remember sitting down with my dad that next week. It was July the 4th, and we were all there. And I said, hey, dad, something weird has been happening. Now, again, remember, my dad is an advisor. And He's very methodical and is definitely not going to suggest that I completely change careers. But he said, you know, I don't think that's a bad idea. I really want you to start praying about it. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. I would have to go back to school. I would have to get all sorts of new certifications. And this is probably the most difficult route I could ever take. And I hate to market. I don't know if I could ever like try to get somebody to come with me I just seemed so awful really I, I just like that's awful no I'm not doing that and my dad I just remember he saying, just pray about it just pray about it and so I started praying about it and the Lord really started working in my heart but he reminded me of that promise he said I have the plans I have for you are greater than anything you could ever imagine and I went back to that thought of like this is not going to be easy so I decided to do just that. And the Lord has put me back in a position where I do not rely on my own strength or knowledge. Some days I laugh and think, what in the world has happened? Um, I might be in the twilight zone. I mean, you know, it's, it's that strange. But what has been so interesting to watch is... He has given me a platform to work with and share with other women who are to have, have gone through or are going through exactly what I've gone through. And he's given me the ability to tell so many women like, the plans that God has for you is so much greater than anything you can ever imagine. Let's think outside the box. Like, where is he leading you? And oftentimes, where he's leading you is defined, or at least there's a parameter put around that by finances. You know, it's hard to step out. And oftentimes, obviously, there are times where we are called to walk away from all of our earthly wealth. And that is definitely something that to be considered. But oftentimes, as a single parent with children, that might not be where the Lord's calling you. And instead, he's calling you in a different direction. And um, anyway, it has been such a joy to do this. But it has also been one of the hardest and most challenging things I've ever done. But what has been so unique about it is that stepping into something that's so hard, that's so time consuming, that requires me to be outside of my comfort zone at almost all hours of the day, has brought me the most joy of anything that I've ever done. And I, my favorite quote, my favorite book is The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. I just have always loved that book since I was a child, but I recently reread it as an adult because my daughter was reading it, and it means something completely different reading it as an adult. 
you know, it's no longer just an amazing story. Like the truths that she weaves into everything are so amazing. But I love in there where she says that we live exciting lives when we're in the center of God's will. Because in the center of God's will, anything is possible. He can do anything he wants with you. He's not constrained by what your prayer education was. He is not constrained by how many hours of the day you think you have to give. He's not constrained by what you think are your weaknesses. It's him and it's him working. And so I think about that all the time, just how exciting of a life it's been now that I've let go of my vision of what I can do and let him determine that instead of myself. And so I hope today that the listeners hear that, that if they are being feel like they're being called to something that doesn't seem like it's possible to just remember that with God, all things are possible and that he is with you every step of the way. On my phone every morning, I have a reminder of the verse um, in Daniel where he is taken And it says how the Lord gave him the wisdom and the understanding that he needed. And so every morning I just pray that the Lord gives me the wisdom and understanding that I need in order to continue to move forward in what he has for me. Well, we said in the intro that we could listen to Emily's story over and over and over again. And really just to kick off in the very beginning when she says that she was hesitant to share her story for a while until she realized it was God's story. You know, I think that so many women that we talk to about sharing their story have that same revelation of, I don't want to feel prideful or I don't want to talk about what I did. And it's like, well, good news. That's your story. It's not about you. Your story is about how God has shown up in your life. And through that, you're bringing hope to other women. Absolutely. And how thankful are each of us that she was willing to share that with us and the wisdom that God gave her because of her story mm-hmm. and what he had her walk through. Um, you know, I loved the reminders that she gave us that God is enough, that his plan is greater, that he is your father, that he is um, your bridegroom. It's just such a great reminder for women who have lost their husbands or Um, or for children who've lost their fathers, that he fulfills all of those roles. Mm -hmm. You know, and even, and not just for women who've gone through loss, but women who are divorced. You know, Emily works with with any woman that that is single, Mm -hmm. that is now taking care of herself, or maybe has always, maybe Mm -hmm. someone that's never been married, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, To me, the thing that I have not been able to stop thinking about is God's promises Mm -hmm. that he gave her those the morning that her husband passed away. The three things that the plans I have for you are greater that in and that in and of itself, you know, we can hold on to two that he is enough. And three, like you just said, Katie, that I'll, he'll be her bridegroom and her children's father. Mm -hmm. Um, And to know that you have those promises from him that you can always go back to. We have that a little bit in our story with, um, with adopting our daughter and I'll, I'll share that one day, (laughs) but I always am able to go back to that one promise that I know he gave me. Mm -hmm. So when that things are hard, you can go back to his word over and over and over. And speaking of hard, at the end of her story, we were asking her, you know, just to be candid about how do things look right now? And she talks about 
that sometimes things can get hard, take a listen. That is actually a great question because it is very difficult. I mean, there are days that we are hanging on by a thread. And sometimes I wish I could just put that on Instagram where you see all the families that look like they have it all together. And, and I don't. I don't. But you know what's been so interesting about it is, one is that I constantly remind myself that if I really feel like I am following what the Lord has for me and I am doing what he is calling me to do, he will fill in the gaps. And I really rely on that wholeheartedly. I also pray constantly that the Holy Spirit is loud in my children's lives and in my life and that he will help me catch them if they're doing anything wrong so that I can intervene. And if you ask my children, he has held to that um, quite nicely. Uh, and it is so true. But I, I feel like, you know, I really have clung to the thought that you know, God says, you know, I will be your, your bridegroom <laughs> and I will be your children's father. And he has met me there. I love her transparency there. And, and it's so interesting. It's, it's such a nature in my opinion that her dad spoke that, you know, God's plans are better. And I hope you get to see that in your mm -hmm. lifetime. Mm -hmm. And now she's speaking the same thing to her children. Mm -hmm. And so that legacy lives on. Mm -hmm. Well, and to, to women everywhere. Yeah. Yes. Just what an incredible business and, and even really ministry yeah. that it is a business. But opportunity to speak into women's yeah. lives to help them from what yeah. she's already learned. Well, I hope today that you were able to grasp on to the promises that um, that she spoke to us about and, and really believe them. We speak a lot about the concept of believing God and believing his promises. So believe today that he is enough for you. Believe that his plan is greater and trust in knowing that he alone is your bridegroom. He is your father as well. And, um, and again, we just hope that that brings you rest and comfort. Mm -hmm. So thanks for listening. And you can find Emily at Wealth Edit. I think that's super interesting myself. And I have kind of started to dig in there. <laughs> so you can find her at Wealth Edit. And we'll put the links in the show notes. But you can find us at StorytellersLive.org. And on social media at Storytellers Live Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And we want to ask you, we are making a direct ask that if you have loved today's story, if God really spoke to you in a certain way, will you share it with one friend? Will you text a friend this week the link to the story and just encourage them through what God taught you? And we will talk to you next week. <laughs>